Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. you guys. And uh, thank you, Pastor Tony and Pastor Alicia, for the, this wonderful invitation. And, uh, and thank you for all the ladies who have supported all the great things that are happening in the Pendel Ministry Network and, and Liz. And, uh, and I tell you, we have had an incredible journey together serving Christ. And, uh, you know, there have been an occasion where she says, honey, you know, I love you. I don't like you very much right now, but I love you. Anybody know... But uh, it's going to be uh, January, be 45 years for us, and it's incredible, man, how God is doing such great things, and, and we give him the praise for it. Uh, don't you love your pastor's voice? That's a good voice. You know, most pastors don't like their voice. Sometimes my wife, as she's working in the kids' apartment, she would listen to my sermon and say, please turn it off, I can't stand it. And, and most pastors don't like their voice, but you've got a pastor who has a good voice. That's a good voice. And, 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 and just before I get started, I just want to commend you as a church, because when I see something good, I want to let you know I see something good. And what I see in this church is you're not just restricted to this local place right here, although you put your whole heart and soul into reaching this community, and that's a wise thing. You guys have a kingdom mentality. And here is when you get to share some of your resources with the body of Christ at large. And from time to time, you send your pastor out because he has this gifting on him as an evangelist, and the word that he carries in his heart needs to be spread out to other churches. And I just want to commend you for that. And at Morningstar, they did the same thing. My, my calling was maybe slightly different, but they gave me all the room that I needed to do small groups for pastors, and I would attend prayer groups with pastors, and I would spend all the time. In fact, they were so committed to what I did outside the church that say, Pastor, we're going to cover all of your mileage and your expenses to go make, do that, make that happen. And here's what I discovered, because I pastored, like, like your pastor mentioned, for 38 years, is Morningstar never suffered and never lost. It's like God multiplied and brought all that stuff back. When you have this kingdom mentality, God takes care of the local expression of the church. And you're about to see some of your best days ahead. That's what I believe in my heart today, that some of your best days are ahead. So today I want to, second thing is, as I was driving up today, as our habit is, you know, I'm, I don't talk very much in the car. And my wife, she finds things to do, things to read. She's a lot of times doing work and bringing her laptop and all that kind of stuff. And, and on occasion, she'll say, you know, honey, if you're not going to talk to me, I could have just stayed at work today, you know. Uh, but she's kind of like, and, and so we just put on the praise music. And for two and a half hours, our car was flooded with praise music. And, and, and here's one of the things that God spoke to me today because, and I think you can identify with this, is that I am so human and I get bogged down so much in the day-to-day things that are happening in my life that I forget that God is directing all the affairs of my life. At any given moment, God could do something supernatural, and a lot of times I miss it. In fact, in Job chapter 9, you find two verses in Job chapter 9, and in the Message Bible, check it out sometime, you'll find these words, we'll never comprehend all the great things that he does. His miracle surprises can't be counted. Somehow he moves in front of me, and I miss it. And when the song came on, Build My Life, there's a line in that song that says, open up my eyes in wonder. 
And, it, and that became my prayer today. Lord, help me today. Use me somehow today to touch the folks at Freedom Life, to open up their eyes, to be ready and prepared at any moment to experience the wonder of God in your life. And with that in mind, I want to talk today about the cloud. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, there's a verse about the great cloud of witnesses and about the cloud. And I want to give you somebody today. I want to talk about a special lady that I want, because I want you to be open to the fact that even in this room, sometimes when you come up for a fellowship dinner and you, and you say to somebody, tell me your story. And you hear part of their story and their journey. Because everybody's got a story, right? Then you have a greater connection with that person, right? And they become like a part of your cloud of witnesses. You might remember them when you're going through something because you remember what John told you about his life. And you said, John, if you did it for John, Lord, do it again. I need you to do it in my life. And so today we're going to talk about a, a lady by the name of Lillian Trasher. How many ever heard the name Lillian Trasher? She's a, yeah, you got to be an old time Pentecostal like I, uh, us guys. And when we start off ministry, I'm, I'm a little, lot older than your pastor. And so uh, I remember seeing Lillian in all the missions pictures. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. And she captured my heart in many ways. And, and so she's in my cloud. So let's, let's start today. Father, thank you for what you're about to do in our lives. Lord, let your word Move powerfully in us, O oh God, and let us walk away, everyone walk away with something, one thought that will bring a great expression this week of our awareness of how you're working and moving in our lives. Open up my eyes to your wonders, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle us, and let us run with perseverance, the race that is marked out for us. We think about the cloud, right, in the computer terms, and, and I don't know about you, but I mean, I am, I am not a techie at all. You know, I've learned things, and I keep learning things all the time, and I'm glad I'm on this learning curve, but I'll never be like many of the young people that just touch it, and they know what's going on. But I'm, I, I, I am grateful for the cloud, because sometimes, you know, and it's happened to me where I've, I was like three quarters of my sermon done, and for some reason, I forgot to hit the save button. And I hit some button that deleted, and I had to start all over again. But thank God things are in the cloud when you save them, right? You know where to find them. And in fact, I was having problems with my computer, uh, computer and I went to the guy who works in technology at Valley Forge. He said, just go on the cloud, and you'll, you can download it that way. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. You know, but the cloud. And so in our cloud as believers, thank God that we have the inspired word of God that is filled with men and women just like us, human men and women who are messed up, some broken people just like us, but God, somehow God worked through them, and, and we have them in our clouds so that when we begin to go through situations in our life, we often think about, you know, who has gone through this, what I'm going through right now, and we go back and we read the story, and we read the story, and we see how God worked in their lives, and it gives us faith, it inspires us in faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God, and, and we're able to get through situations in life by having certain biblical figures in our cloud. But there are contemporary people that I believe need to be in our cloud, too, and I love reading stories about, about men and women, you know, that have been used powerfully by God, and, 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 and I want to know about their ups and downs, and I want to know about the situations they went through, and I want to know about how long it took them to, to see the miracle take place, and, and they inspire me. So today, I want to give you someone that I believe you will want in your cloud as well, and her name is Lillian Trasher. Lillian Trasher. Now, one thing you need to know about me is I love movies that are real stories. If I see the movie and it comes up, and the first words I see is based on true events, I'm into the movie. 
I'm into the movie. Now, you know, like every once in a while you need movies like Dumb and Dumber because like it's so serious and you just need to have a no-brainer. But you walk away from that movie and all you got was a bunch of laughs. You didn't get anything else out of it, right? And then there are other movies that you get and you watch them. And, and recently I went to see Top Gun with my wife. You know, she loved the movie, me not so much. I just can't see Tom Cruise. He's just not that much of a fan to me. You know, actually flying a plane like that. I just, I just walked out and I said, that was, that was all right, you know? But, you know, you give me a real movie, you know, The Pursuit of Happiness, you know, about a real guy who lived on the, on the streets for a year, homeless, but he got this opportunity, this chance, you know, to, to get trained in the, in the stock brokerage and all that kind of stuff. And it's a, like a rags to riches story and, and how his life turned around for him and his little five-year-old son, right? That's what I'm into. I walk out of theaters and say, that's inspiring. That's a good movie. And so I'm the same way with books. You know, give me a book that t- tells a story about someone who lived powerfully for God. And so Lillian Trasher, you're going you're to like the story today. I'm going to take you through a few parts of her story today. And you're going to like her story because she was a single American woman who in the 1900s went to, to Egypt. She went 200 miles south of Cairo to a place called Asut, Egypt. And there she started the first orphanage in Egypt. And as a result, they said somewhere between 10 and 20,000 little boys and girls got to see about Christian faith. And many of those continue to serve him to this day. Actually, they grew up toward the end part of her life. They had this big banquet for her. And many of them returned to honor her and celebrate. And she discovered that many of them have gone, they became pastors, they became school teachers, they became principals. And even one became an airplane, airplane designer and an architect. And, and what she found out that was so amazing is many of them had sons and daughters, and they named their little boys Trasher, and they named their little girls Lillian. And the majority of them were still followers of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of life that I want to live. And in fact, if you want to read about her life, there's a book called The Greatest Wonder of Egypt, Lillian Trasher. Isn't that something for a follower of Christ? The Greatest Wonder of Egypt. And uh, you can find her book on Amazon and read through her little book even today. And so I want to talk to you today about how does someone live that kind of adventurous life in Jesus? How does that happen? And uh, you'll find your own story in parts of this. Number one, it began with a simple prayer. You know, if you want to live the greatest adventure If you want to live the dreams that you have deep inside of you, if you want to see them fulfilled in your life, you have to start with God. Because everything, absolutely everything, got started in God and finds its purpose in God. You connect with God, you connect with the dream that he has poured into your life, and things begin to happen. It doesn't happen without God. If you're watching online, it doesn't happen without God. The adventure begins the day that you turn your life over to Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 3.21 of my life verse, it says, now to him who's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to the power that's at work within us. The moment you invite Christ to step into your life, you release. He comes with his grace and his power and releases in you the ability and the power to live a life bigger than you'd ever dreamed of. And one of the preachers says, at the end of his life, he's saying, my life is exceeded my dreams. I've had dreams. I've had dreams as a pastor. But I'm telling you, following God, he's done even greater. My life has exceeded even my own 
dreams, my life. And here's a simple prayer that she prayed. And I love this prayer that Lillian prayed. She came to Christ, like many of you, because somebody, a neighbor, led her to Jesus. Anna Mason lived next to her. She was raised as a Catholic, but she loved Anna Mason, and she loved how Anna Mason Mason expressed her faith. And she started attending some of Anna Mason's little Bible studies, and in the Bible study, she turned her life over to Jesus. And after she turned her life over to Jesus, she prayed this prayer, Lord, I want to be your woman. She said, she was a little younger girl, I want to be your girl, and if ever I can do anything for you, just let me know, and I'll do it. That's a pretty powerful prayer, right? Hey, I'm your guy. If there's anything you can, I can do for you, God, just let me know. And I can tell you that the thrill of pastoring a church for 38 years is seeing a young person, or even this young girl today, precious, right, has this encounter with God at a young age, and to see it unfold, you know, I got to see people 38 years later, right? And there was a, there, a guy that came to our church, his name was Carl David. Carl David was a Welshman, he had that little accent, and Carl David came when he was at the bottom of his life. He was addicted to alcohol, he was a gambler, his wife would give him money to pay bills, and he would gamble that money away. He lost everything. His wife left him. He lost his kids. He was at the bottom. But sometimes when you're at the bottom, it gives you the ability to start looking up and you see Jesus from the bottom of the pit. And he found Christ and he dedicated his life to Jesus. And we've had a few people live with us over the years, but Carl was the first one where I went to Liz and said, I want to bring Carl into our house. And so Carl came and lived with us for a season. And, 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 and on top of all that, he got a DUI, so he didn't have a car. He didn't have a license anymore. He didn't have a car. So he lived in my house. We kind of lived in the country a little bit. And Carl decided that he was going to get a bicycle and pedal four miles every day to the gas station where he worked because he lost his good job too. So now he's working at the gas station. And, and even on rainy days, I would say, Carl, let me drive you to work. And Carl said, no, I got to do this for myself. And he pedaled his bike in the rain to work. The only thing that he let me do was I would drive him once a week to Reading, which was about 30 miles from us, where he had to take his driver safety test if he was ever going to get his license back again. And so Carl lived with us for a season. A little funny part of Carl's story is one day I got 10 yards of mulch delivered in my driveway and I forgot to turn on the outside lights and Carl was coming home from work and it was dark one day and with his bike, boom, he hit the pile of mulch, picked himself up, brushed himself up and said, Pastor, thank you very much. (laughs) And I kind of lost track with Carl. But Carl's story started to unfold as he, as he lived with us for a season, and he got his license back, and then he got his truck driver's license. He felt passionate about that, and he started, he started making $60,000 a year. And I would keep telling Carl, Carl, you got to praise God for where you're at, but don't stop there because God has more for you. It's Ephesians 3.20. There's even more for you. Thank him, praise him, but always keep going for more. Even in your lives, there's more that God wants to do for you. And I, I would speak those things into him, and, and then I lost track for years, and, and Carl remarried. You married a, a dedicated Christian woman, and, and, and a couple months ago, we got together for the first time in a long time. I don't know how I got his phone number again, and so we met at Bob Evans for breakfast, and we just reconnected again, and then two weeks ago, because he lost his wife, she died to breast cancer, and I just wanted to see Carl, and we got together again, and, and Carl started speaking back the things that I spoke to him that I long forgot about in his life. You don't know who you're influencing today. You don't know who you influenced yesterday. But keep speaking the truth into their lives because someday it's going to come back. Someday maybe it, it will be in heaven. But someday as he spoke to him, like, I couldn't believe the things I was speaking into Carl's life. But here he is now, 30 
years later, sober, free, no addiction to gambling, living for Jesus with all of his heart. See, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. So Lillian, her whole journey started with a simple prayer. God, I want to be your woman. If there's anything I can do for you, just please let me know. And it's an important prayer that we can pray. Actually, the most dangerous prayer that you could ever pray is, God, use me. God, use me. Help my life to count. Remember the, the, the Pearl Harbor movie, right? And, he, and, 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 and Rafe gets to, uh, over to the British, and, they, and they, he said, where's my plane? And, and the guy says, are all you Yanks anxious to die? He said, no, I'm just anxious to make a difference. I'm anxious for my life to count. And the most dangerous prayer that you can pray is, God, use me. So the adventure begins with one simple prayer, I'm your guy, or your gal, if it fits. If ever I can do anything for you, please let me know. Number two, God's leading. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every, say it, every detail of their lives. Some of you don't like some of the details going on in your life right now. Some of you would say, well, life right now stinks. But God's still God, and God's still involved. And if he allowed some little pain to come into your life or some discomfort or some detail that you don't like, it's for a purpose. And hang on, because God's not done. He's leading you somewhere, and he's watching over. He delights in every detail of your life. Once you give your life to Jesus, he starts giving direction to your life. He starts moving the pieces into place in your life. God is fully engaged. He's not like us sometimes when we're talking to somebody and all of a sudden we're drifting off and we're looking at something else and we're distracted and that person says, I just lost him. God is fully engaged in every detail of your life and he is leading you every step of the way. The Lord directs the steps of the God that he delights in every detail of the life. Even the psalmist said it to us in Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me in the right paths, bringing honor to his name. He leads and he guides me. In the moment I surrender my life to him, he takes over and he is leading my life. Back to Lillian's story. 18 years of age. Lillian gets on a train because she's, she's a gifted sketch artist. That's where she believes her life is going. That is her dream. She's on a train, and on a train, she's heading to Atlanta where she's going to talk to the big newspaper company in Atlanta. She happens to sit next to a woman. See how God directs our steps, all right? She sits next to a woman who introduces herself this way. Hi, I'm Miss Maddie Perry. And you wouldn't know it by the number of kids I have at home. To which Lillian says, well, how many kids do you have at home? And she says, last count, I have 100 kids, but God keeps sending more kids my way. And then she found out that she had an orphanage in North Carolina. Once she found out that Lillian was a believer and a follower of Christ, she jumped right into it. And she says, you know, I don't believe that God has any of our connections by accident. I believe you were meant to sit next to me. In fact, she says, I believe that God wants me to invite you to come and help me work in my orphanage. I need an assistant. I've got ways too many kids. Would you come and work for me? And her parents taught her to be more polite and, and, and not just say, laugh and say, there's no way. I'm going to work as a sketch artist. 
So politely she said, thank you, I'll think about it. You know how people do that? Thank you, I'll, I'll think about it. You know they're not going to think about it, right? So she walks into the newspaper office and she's talking to the head uh, editor who says, I've been looking forward to meeting you. We've got several people looking for this job. Can I see your sketches? So she hands him her sketchbook, but there's deadlines, and so he's got to leave and says to her, you know, come back tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and I will give you my answer. She comes back the next day at 10 o'clock, and the editor is out sick. He's out sick. And when she talks to the assistant editor, he says to her, he's already hired somebody else. She asks to get her sketchbook back, and he looks for it, but he can't find it. He said, come back in a couple of days. I'm sure he'll be better. You can get the book from him. She goes back a couple days later, and the editor says to her, where were you? I had no way of getting in touch with you. I wanted to hire you, but since I couldn't find you, I had to give it to somebody else. I'm sorry. Gives her back her sketchbook, and sure enough, eight days later, she's on her way to Marion, North Carolina, to work in the orphanage. See how God directs? Disappointment, but God's moving. You may not see how he's orchestrating and moving it, but he's watching every detail of her lives. And so she said, the next five years of her life were so filled with so much joy. She met a man there by the name of Tom Goodson, who happened to be a preacher, and they were engaged to be married. But 10 days before she was to be married to Tom, she goes to a service where a missionary is speaking, and she feels God calling her to the mission field. She knows Tom's calling is not to missions. So she meets with Tom, and she tells Tom, we have to call off the wedding because God is calling me to be a missionary. Now, I'm here to tell you today, God may not ask you to break up with your one true love, but he's going to to ask you to sacrifice something, to do the will of God and to live the adventure that he wants to lose. It always involves some kind of sacrifice. But if you can keep your attitude positive, even on those days when life seems crazy and out of order, and you can keep trusting God that he's still involved in directing every step of your life, if you can just move through those disappointments and those setbacks and those delays with a positive attitude and keep your eyes set on God, then God will keep working out even when it's messy. He will work out his perfect plan in your life. And by the way, we all read through the Old Testament several times, and we know that God really doesn't appreciate Israelites who are whiners. They just whine way too much, and we don't need to be whiners in our life. In fact, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says this, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I love this part here. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He rejoices to see the work begin. So from there, Lillian, she feels like the next step for her is to go to Pittsburgh to attend a missions convention. But she only had enough money to get to Washington, D.C. So she goes to Washington, D.C., where she meets a missionary couple from Asut, Egypt, and they invite her to come and serve with them in Egypt. Isn't that amazing? And so she says yes to the invitation. Never got to Pittsburgh. She's now in Asut, Egypt. On her first night in Egypt, she's called out to minister to a woman who's just given birth to a baby, and it seems that she's going to die. So she ministers to this woman, and in the wee hours of the night, the woman passes away, and now Lillian has this little baby. She takes the little baby back to the missionary's home where she's staying, 
with an eyedropper, she tries to get this little baby to start eating. The problem is, what babies do, right, is they cry. And sometimes they cry all night long. I got to tell you, as a parent, there was times that I was tempted at 8 o'clock in the morning to go over that crib and go, ah! <laughs> Maybe not you. You're more, you're more spirit-filled than I am at those moments. <laughs> so the missionary family came to her and said, listen, we can't take it anymore. You have to send the baby back or the two of you need to leave. And so she left, a single woman with a baby, running a house, and the orphanage was launched. One baby, the orphanage was launched. And we despise those, be- those small beginnings because I know as most of us, we like our story to take off and have a big, big ending. But that's not how it happens. A lot of times, it's just a small beginning, one crying baby that you love, you nurture, you care for. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, as I read, says, don't despise the day of small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begun. And, and the truth of the matter is, we hate small beginnings. In, in fact, that's a strong word, hate, but we hate small beginnings. You know, I, I, we talked about pastoring a church for 38 years, but I got to tell you, when I went there, we had 18 people, and it took me seven long years to break 100 I know about slow starts and slow beginnings. And we despise them, but the Bible says God doesn't despise those. And God, in fact, God rejoices. He rejoices to see the work begin. He doesn't despise the day of small things. He loves to see it because the work has started. It has to start somewhere. And so he's rejoicing to see the work has begun. And God can see further down the road then you can see, he can see how this whole thing's going to unfold. And so he wants you to know, don't despise it. But remember, he's rejoicing. He's got a silly smile on his face and rejoices. The work has started. The work has started. Number three, cycles. One of the reasons we need people like Lillian Trasher in our lives is we need to remember that God is always faithful. Here is a woman, much like George Mueller. If you've ever read about George Mueller, he had five homes that he built for orphans too, and it was estimated that he took care of 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. The unique thing about George is he never told anyone his needs. He just prayed and talked to God about it, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars came his way. And we need these people in our lives because God is faithful. And here, and here is, think about this. Here is Lillian a single American woman in a foreign place. Not just one child, but there was up to 800 and then 900 at one time. Children at her orphanage, 900 plus widows. She would bring widows in and they would help her to care and love all these children. And she sustained this. She didn't have this big financial base like missionaries have today. They travel to churches and they go over and they have a financial base. She didn't have a financial base, but somehow she sustained during World War I, during World War II, during the Great Depression. God sustained her and he was faithful. And I believe maybe one of her theme verses was, I was young, but now I'm old and I've not seen a righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging for bread. God is faithful. He's always, always faithful. Let me give you just one of her many stories. One of her many stories. 
And this example happened during World War II. It was 1941. It was September. And she's up to 900 kids in the orphanage. And, and they're down to a half, half a couple of lentils every day. That's what they had. And in fact, one day, the children began to pray. And they prayed in, into 2 o'clock and 2.30 in the morning. And one little girl prayed this simple prayer. She prayed, Lord, we need you to provide for us because mama says there's no one else that can help us. And when all you have left is God, God is enough. God is always enough. When all you have left is God, God is more than enough. Now, in the morning, she receives a telegraph, telegraph from, from the ambassador, the US ambassador of Egypt, asking her to come to her office. And so she had to get on a train and go 200 miles up to Egypt to meet with the ambassador. And so she gets there in the morning. She leaves at midnight. She leaves the kids with the assistant. She gets there in the morning, and she meets with the ambassador, who says to her, I'm not sure if you heard, but Germany has just taken over Greece. And there was a ship that was being sent with supplies from the Red Cross to Greece. And we ordered it to turn around. It's been ordered to turn around. And there was a sailor that was on that ship. And he said that he had given to your orphanage from time to time when they were saying that they were going to throw all the supplies overboard. He said, no, let's take it all to Egypt because there's a woman there who has an orphanage. And my mom prays for her every day. She prays for the orphans every day. And, and he says to her, we've got a warehouse filled with all kinds of stuff. Mrs. Trasher, do you need any of this stuff? That gives a whole new meaning to my ship has just come in. My ship has just come in. And so can you imagine she's back on that train and she's headed back to the orphanage where they're about to receive and, and, on, and here's some of the things that were on, contained in, on that ship. There was 2,600 dresses. There was 1,900 pairs of boys' pants. There was 3,800 blankets. There was 1,100 towels. There were 700 kegs of powdered milk, 1,200 sacks of, of rice, and the list went on and on and on. And can you imagine when she got back and told the kids, God has just answered our prayer in a big way, and a couple days later, seeing tractor trailer after tractor trailer coming through the gates of that orphanage, unloading all those things. I'm telling you, God, he doesn't hardly know how to quit when he blesses and when he opens up the windows of heaven for us. He is still Jehovah Chira, and his provision shall be seen. It will be seen throughout our lifetime. And I believe a part of our testimony will be, I was young. Some of you are still young. But I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging for a bread. God has been faithful all the time. We need Lillian Trasher and people like her in our life to remind us that throughout our lifetime, God will be faithful. God will be faithful. And number four, this is my favorite point, momentum. I just love that word. Don't you love that word? Momentum. I'm praying, you know, I've been working at the University of Valley Forge, you know, and, and basically, you know, the pastor read off the title, but all it is is a glorified title for being a fundraiser. I'm a fundraiser. I connect with churches, connect with businessmen, and I'm trying to raise resources to get our young men and women through school without a lot of debt, right? That's it. That's my job. And, and, and I actually kind of like it. I kind of like it because... You can ask. If they say no, they say no. If they say yes, woo, you got to win. But God is faithful. But I got to tell you, I'm plowing. And some days I'm plowing. Some days I'm just plowing. So my prayer is momentum. I'm saying, God, I know it's just a matter of time. But momentum's going to kick in because I love that word. I love how it rolls off my lips. Momentum. Momentum. 
I love the definition. I, I, I know when I have it, and I know when I don't. And I love when it kicks in. And I'm like, we've got momentum. And I passed it for 38 years. And, and there are cycles in church, like there are cycles for Lillian Trasher. There are cycles, in, and you got momentum. And all of a sudden, you're, you're stuck. And you're like, OK, God, what's next? And, and, I, and I just love when momentum kicks in. I love the word momentum. And momentum eventually kicked in for Lillian Trasher in that orphanage. And you're not going to believe some of the things that happened for her in that orphanage. Soon, all these things started happening for her. A small hospital was built right in her orphanage to care and to take care of those kids. A businessman in Philadelphia sent her all the resources she needed to build a tabernacle to hold 1,000 people. Because remember, she had 900 kids. 1,000 people. And, and, and it went on there that people donated money for her to build barns and then have cows in there for the milk and everything else and all the provision. Even a wealthy Egyptian gave them money for a swimming pool. God thought, these kids need a pool. We would look at it and say, they don't need a pool. They need milk. They need rice. They don't need a pool. But God said, they need a pool. So he spoke to someone's heart. Momentum was starting to kick in for Lillian. And all of a sudden, the things that she was maybe dreaming about were starting to come beyond her wildest imagination. One year, the prime minister from Egypt visited that orphanage. And he had nothing but high praises. He said, I can't believe it. This is almost like heaven, a place where all these children who were pushed aside, out of poverty, have a place. This place is a little touch of heaven. He said, nothing has given me more delight. Nothing has given me more pleasure than this one visit that I've had today. It's making me the happiest man in the world. Soon, the governor declared a Lillian Trasher day. And in Egypt, everybody was asked on that day to give supplies to the orphanage of Lillian Trasher. Momentum. And I love when momentum kicks in. And you guys just keep going, because there's coming that time where the momentum, the momentum is going to kick in. It'll be like wind in your sails. And you just keep moving. It won't last forever, because then God says, I'm going to take you somewhere else. And sometimes you got to make some changes. And then it's like small beginnings again. And then you just keep obedient to God. And then momentum kicks in again. But with all that momentum, I love what Lillian Trasher said. She said, all of this stuff is exciting. And it is to have what you need to get the job done. She said, all these additions are great. But she said, my goal is not just bigger buildings and better buildings. My goal is to give the poorest children of Egypt the opportunity to grow up and flourish in a Christian home, in a Christian environment. And isn't, there's nothing better than that as Christian parents, right? That we create a little bit of heaven, so to speak, in our homes where our kids, they come home and they get a taste of what it's like to be raised in an environment where the, the heart's desire is to please Jesus Christ. Now, I know we're not always perfect. And I know sometimes our kids things, see things they shouldn't see. But keep Keep Jesus first. And when you mess up, you can confess it. You can confess it to your kids. We don't have to be these big people that are filled with pride, that can't admit to our kids, I handled that wrong. Jesus wasn't honored in that situation. Get down on their level like the pastor did today. Look him in the eye and say, please forgive me, because the way I spoke to daddy or the way I spoke to mommy was not right. And you can, again, reestablish what the Christian environment's supposed to be in the home. 
That's all free because I wasn't planning on saying any of that. So take it and run with it. Be hopeful today. Be hopeful today. Be hopeful today. She said, that's the goal. The goal is, and the goal of this church is to bring boys and girls in here like your outreach and everything else and bring them into a place where they can get touched by the environment of what it's like to have faith in Jesus Christ, that Christian environment. And she said, that's what it was all about. That was all about. And then I like what she said, and I'll start wrapping it up with this. You know, Jesus needs to be the center. I love that song, Jesus Be the Center. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, be the center of my life. But she went on to say this, and she made it so simple. She said, in the end, she encouraged people wherever she would go, and she, she actually didn't live to be too old. She was 76 years old when she passed away, and pretty much they said she gave the cemetery just a used up. She just burned herself out. She gave it all that she had. And really, that's all. I don't want to take anything to the grave that needs to come forth in this earth. God, do it, Lord. God, do it, Lord. But she went on to say this, and she encouraged people all over the place. She basically said, when God tells you to do something, going back to that prayer, right? God, I'm your guy. If there's ever anything I can do for you, please let me know, and I'll do it. And she said, when God speaks to you, she said, don't try to wait till everything falls into place. Start acting on it. Now, once you know it's God, she said, get moving. Can you see this old Pentecostal woman with the hair bun, you know? I can see my grandmother. (laughs) Once you know it's God's will, get moving. So why do we need Lillian Trasher in our lives? Why do we need people like that in our lives? Why do we need to read about books of of people that went before us and served Christ and accomplished some great things for him? To remind us that the greatest adventure begins with a simple prayer. And if you're watching online today or you're in this room, everything hinges right now on you surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't get your act together. You can't get good enough to come to him. He takes us all the same way, broken, messed up people. That's how I came to him. Here I am, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. And today... All you simply say is Jesus Christ. Because he's knocking. We know that vision. If he's knocking at the door, but he's waiting for you to say, Jesus, come in. If you're watching online, that's how it begins. Simple prayer. Jesus, here's my life. And you turn your life over to him. And then we say, God, please use me. Make my life count. We need to live in our lives to know that once God steps in, he begins to lead. And he's involved in every detail of our lives. We need to live in our lives to know that even though life may not be very good right now, it's kind of sticky right now for you, you just hold on because God is still at work. And he's working everything together, the Bible says what? For your benefit, for your good, because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. We need Lillian in our lives. We need... People like Lillian in our cloud to remind us it's only a matter of time before momentum kicks in. Somebody, somebody get that today? It's only a matter of time. Maybe you stepped out this year, or maybe you stepped out in COVID and you started a new business and you thought that you heard from God, but it hasn't been going all that smoothly. 
Isn't that easy? I'm speaking into businessmen and women today, and I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time before momentum kicks in. Because God knows why he raised you up to do that business, because you've got some investments to make in the kingdom of God. Sure, it's about you. It's about blessing your family. But it's about a work that he wants you to do. And it's only a matter of time before momentum kicks in. I don't know where you're at in your journey today. Right now, things may be a little dark and confusing. You may feel overwhelmed and maybe even discouraged. We prayed about anxiety and discouragement, depression. I'm just telling you, don't give up. That's what I'm saying. Don't give up. Keep doing the right things. Keep coming together and worshiping in the body of Christ. Don't stay at home. Don't pout about it. Just keep getting up. Keep doing the right thing. Keep doing the right thing. It's like the guy climbing up in the mountains, and all of a sudden, he hits clouds. And coming in this morning, we hit a, a, a couple of foggy areas, you know. You can either just slow down and try to crawl through. You just keep on going. Say, God, you got this. And, a guy, and anybody that does mountain climbing knows you never stop and you never go backwards. You just keep going forward. That's keep climbing the mountain. Keep climbing the mountain. And even though you can't see where life is headed, you trust God because he has something planned for you. And it's only a matter of time before momentum kicks in. Father, I thank you for your people today. I really am grateful, Lord, to be here to boast about one lady, one among many that you've given to us, along with all our Bible characters that we love and we cherish, the stories. We've got contemporary men and women. Maybe you've lived just a few years or gone a few years before we came, but even those that live today, walk with us. We need each other, Lord God. We need to inspire each other, to stir each other on, Lord God. And so I thank you today for that person that's here today that feels maybe like they've stopped, but they feel like going back. And you spoke to them today and said, keep moving forward. Step by step, step in front of step. Just keep moving forward. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives today and that you're always faithful in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've never given Christ your life, maybe watching online, we've kind of talked about that a little bit, but here's a woman who lived an incredible life. And not only that, she, made, she, she led thousands of little boys and girls to become adults who are now in, either destined for heaven or in heaven. If you're here today, you say, what do I do? I simply say, just talk to God. He's been speaking to you. And he's saying to you, I want to step into your life. I want to give you all the forgiveness and all the freedom that you need, and then I want to begin to show you the plan I've always had for your life. You've been trying to run after your own plan. I've got a plan. And it's a plan that will blow your mind. But it starts with surrender. So say something like this today. Say, Jesus, here I am. In this closing moment, I recognize I desperately need you. And I'll be the first to confess that I've been trying to be my own God in my life. And I've made a mess. God, today, deep down inside, I feel you're tugging at my heart. And I respond today as much as I know how. 
I don't know everything about Christ. I don't know everything about serving Jesus. But as much as I know right now, and that is to turn it all over to you, I ask you, Jesus, to take my life and step into my life and bring in your forgiveness, bring in your grace and your power, and then begin to unravel and to lay out all your purpose for me. In Jesus' name I pray. I thank you for it, Lord. Amen.